Welcome to the Art of Faith podcast. I'm Joshua Kapchinski, and this podcast is produced by Granite Creek Studios. We would welcome and encourage your support. That way we can keep this podcast going. Thank you for joining us for today. Uh, we are in a series called Who is Jordan Peterson? I am a, I'm a fan, but not only am I just a fan, the more that I listen to him, the more that I read his books, I am finding that not only is he important to um, the popular discussion or the, the, the public forum, he's, a, he's really important for the church. And after rereading today's chapter, I'm even more convinced that, that he's a follower of Christ or he has a relationship with God. So um, this is really exciting for me. This is... Um, the Art of Faith, Who is Jordan Peterson, and this is 12 Rules for Life uh, Beyond Chaos or Overcoming Chaos, Rule Number Two. Rule Number Two, like this one is such a big deal. This one's a huge deal for, uh, for people of faith. In many ways, it's almost even uh, non-responsive. Like, I don't even feel like I have the, the, the ability to cover this chapter and to do it justice. But the chapter is entitled, Treat Yourself Like Someone You Are Responsible For Helping. All right, so I'll just think about that for a second. Treat yourself like someone whom you are responsible for for helping. That might give you a little moment, a little uh, time for pause and reflect, and you might be thinking to yourself, oh, that, that, that's kind of big, that's kind of heavy, but that makes sense. So yeah, that makes sense. Here is uh, one of the, the types of illustrations that Jordan Peterson will give. He will say, and uh, forgive me for my, my French, uh, but in chapter two of this book, he will say, take your damn medicine. And he, he, he has, um, he's got data, he's got numbers about how many Americans are prescribed medication that will help them and they don't take their, they don't even, not only do they don't take it, they, they don't go ahead and fill the prescription. And the ones that do go to the doctor, doctor says you need to take this pill or you're going to die of a heart attack or you're going to you know, have high blood pressure, you know, yada, yada. Uh, the ones that, that do go to the doctor, fill the prescription, a majority of those, I think it's like 80%, don't take the medication when they're supposed to. They forget to take it. They think that they don't need to take it. And so there's this huge uh, issue of, uh, of Americans not wanting to take care of themselves. And I think that we can all, you know, probably relate to that. I know that I can. I don't like taking my medication. I've got high triglycerides, and uh, I, I don't, I don't want to take medication. I don't like taking pills. Uh, occasionally, I have high blood pressure. I don't like taking that stuff either. But... Um, but I do because I, I, I just want to be healthy and I want to make sure that, you know, my, 
my levels are exactly where they need to be as a person for my age. And so uh, I've been more proactive. I've had a few scares. And so I've been more proactive on, on taking better care of myself, whether it is through pill form or through healthy lifestyle choices, which is probably preferable. Now, I think probably a majority of the skepticism towards doctors and towards medication uh, is 100% justified in the whole COVID debacle. Like, like, we just don't know what we're putting into our body because we're told to be putting into our body, and that's complicated things. That aside, regardless, we have this inability to want to take care of ourselves. Here's the illustration. And this is something that I can speak personally about. I, ha I have a bunch of animals living in my house. Let me see. I have uh, two dogs, three cats, um, two possums that you're not supposed to know about, a bunch of fish. Uh, we had a bird that got away. But we have, uh, we have all these animals that are living in our house. And we're, I'm okay with the cats, but I love our dogs. I'm like a full-on dog person. And um, previous dogs, uh, one of them got really sick, ate a bunch of snail bait, like almost killed himself. And I rushed this dog to the hospital in, in the middle of the night. And so I, I'm, you know, signing all this paperwork, paying a premium uh, to save his life at, you know, the, in, you know, in the late hours. And... And we did it. And not only did we we pay this, you know, ridiculously high vet bill, um, we took him back to the vet, you know, the next day and then the next week. And then we gave him medication to help, uh, you know, get this toxins out of his system. And that was just one... That was just one case. There's, you know, we've done other situations with our dogs where we've given them medication. Um, our one of our older dogs, who was he had some hip problems because he was hit by a car when he was a puppy. Like we gave him uh, pain medication, and I remember specifically uh, comparing our vet bill with our medical bills. And so here's the truth. We were spending more money on our animals, on our pets, than we were spending on our own health. And it's not because of necessity. It's just because we just didn't want to take our own medication. We didn't want to go to the doctors. We didn't want to, we didn't want to face the reality. We didn't, want to, we didn't want to take care of ourselves. So in many aspects, it was easier for us to take care of our animals than it was to take care of ourselves. And that is the hard truth. There's another illustration that Jordan Peterson doesn't bring up. I, I brought it up several times. I'm not quite sure where I got it. I know I ripped it off from somebody else. But if you're a, if you're a parent traveling with your family in an airplane and, you know, the the warning light pops on and the captain comes on the intercom and says, we're experiencing some turbulence and we're, we might be going down. And, uh, and so 
and those scary moments, there's like these compartments that open up above your head, and then these masks come down. And I don't know if you're familiar with the what the what the instructions are, but the instructions are that you take the oxygen mask and you put it on yourself first before you put it on your child. And um, and and why it seems it seems counterintuitive for us to do something like that. Why in the world would we want to uh, put ourselves above our own children? Well, in that scenario, there's a risk of uh, you passing out and then your kids passing out because you can't get the mask on them correctly. So we all understand that concept, and yet it is so hard for us to get. Now, this rule number two, I think, is probably very applicable to our society because... I'll be the first to admit it. Like I place my animals on a very high level of um, of importance. Like they're they're up there in my priority scale. Like I love my animals. Um, you know, I love you guys too. But there's been many a day where I love my animals more than I love you. <laughs> and um, you know, and then there's there's many a day where I'm treating my animals better than I treat myself. And so this is a this rule that Jordan Peterson lays out is treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. So it's not, it's not selfish to want to help yourself, to want to improve yourself, to want to uh, make a better life for yourself. Now, this chapter, gosh, this is such a dang good chapter. Um, it's more than just a self-help uh, chapter. It really gets down to the root of the human condition because we all know that we need to take care, better care of ourselves. We all know that that's a truth, but the big question is why? Why don't we treat ourselves better than we ought to? Why don't we practice self-care uh, why don't we take responsibility for our failings and our needs? Like, why don't we take care of ourselves the way, you know, in the same level that we would take care of others? And Jordan's absolutely brilliant in this. And again, I am not placing him on a pedestal up there with Jesus, but in this scenario, he's pretty dang close because he's understanding the human condition and the human, the human heart and the human frailty. And so the one reason why we do not treat ourselves like someone that we're responsible for helping is, is because of the sin nature. He will rewind the clock all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and he's going to expose some of our frailties and some and, and primarily some of our insecurities as to why we do not treat ourselves as we should, is we don't treat ourselves as if we ourselves are made in the image of God. And so therefore, we'll, again, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of our animals better than we'll take care of ourselves. So he begins to, he, he kind of frames this chapter just like I did. And then he jumps into this philosophical, theological 
jumble that like if like you can't just skim over it you can't listen to, if you're if you're into audiobooks which actually i prefer that you listen to this book in the audio version because he he narrates it himself it's narrated by the author so i think it carries much more weight and much more power if you're listening to it um in, in the audio version but what he begins to unpack is actually the 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 thesis of, of this whole book. He begins to talk about uh, the dichotomy of order and chaos. So, um, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this judge justice, but just just go with me here. Um, he will say that there are two major components to life, two major elements, if you will, that pull on us, that dictate our lives, uh, elements that we must uh, struggle with, balance, uh, come into relationship. Uh, one is order. So we all know that we need to get our lives in order. We know that order is important. We know that God uh, loves order. And so we need to embrace this power of order so order the second um other side of the coin the yin to the yang if you will is chaos and chaos being the opposite of order is this it's the dark feelings that you feel when um when you're alone or you feel like there's a monster under your bed or when when people or situations hijack your life and and throw your life into confusion uh when you when you lose your job uh when a romantic relationship doesn't work out the one that you thought that would work out um you know when you get displaced you get you get thrust into this this category of chaos and and no one likes it but yet at the same time in the midst of chaos there is um, an energizing factor so the reason why we don't take care of ourselves he's going to rewind the clock all the way back to the garden of eden and he's going to highlight these two elements of chaos and order all right so this is what it looks like <sighs> In the garden, we've got basically in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, we have two creation accounts, and uh, they're very similar. They've got some differences. Uh, one has been written a little bit older. The other one is a retelling of the story, and um, they're, vo they're both very important about the creation of, of man and, and woman. Uh, in one account, it says that God created uh, man and woman uh, in his image and in his image he created them and so there is an equality that takes place and then the other creation story of adam and eve which you're familiar with it god comes and says he creates adam first out of the dirt and then he and then he he's like oh man it's not a good idea for you to be alone and then he creates eve out of his rib so we got two almost seemingly contradicting contradicting uh, creation accounts. Uh, but they're not because they both make sense in, in the grand in, in the grand narrative. 
Now, we're all familiar with the Garden of Eden, which is the land that is well watered. Uh, the Garden of Eden is... Um, the way that the Hebrew describes the garden is that not only is it a garden that's well watered, but it's also a fenced off area. So it is, it is a contained space um, that has fruit and that has uh, everything that you need. And Adam and Eve were, were naked in this place. And it is just going, you know, it's completely bliss. And this is also an environment where Adam and Eve and God could walk together and then be in, in step with one another. And this is a beautiful picture of, of complete and beautiful order. Like it is an ordered place. There's nothing out of place in the Garden of Eden. And yet, this is what we've got to struggle with. Like, I don't have the answers for this. And yet, in this perfect ordered garden, uh, paradise, heaven on earth, uh, the way that it, things should be, like there's a snake there. So how did the snake get into this perfect place? How did this little tiny creature that is kind of sneaky and slithery, how does he enter into God's perfect plan and God's perfect order? And what does the snake represent? The snake represents chaos. And so we have, you know, you know, in the midst of this perfect walled off environment, we have a little drop of imperfection or a little drop of chaos and represented, of course, by the snake. And if you're of the Christian perspective, that is the devil. So order, in an environmental sense, we did a series a while back uh, on, on the art of J.R.R. Tolkien. Order is the shire. Order is this idealistic, perfect little community where there's only happiness and nothing bad ever takes place. And Tolkien highlights this in a beautiful way with, you know, framing out this beautiful little garden community called the Shire. And then he he shows you the counter to it, which is, you know, the 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 dragon's evil lair that deep underground into some cavernous dark cave where he uh you know he's eaten all the dwarves and he's hoarding all their gold and then again the, the chaos is represented so um that that's kind of that's where it all starts and he begins to, to just to frame this out now in the in the characters of adam and eve um he describes the the fruit, which was the temptation, and um, God, this is harsh, but he does it. I, I would encourage you that you do follow and you read the book on this one. But he, but Eve's the one that that eats the first the the, the fruit first. So she's the one that listens 
to the enemy of God. He's she's the one that listens to the serpent. She's the one that listens to the devil. And it's presented to her like if you eat this, it is good and you will become like God and then you will know the difference between good and evil. And so it is it is an uh, it, like if you eat this fruit then you're then you're going to be awakened. And the way that Jordan Peterson frames it as a psychologist is he says that when you eat this fruit, you will become conscious. You will become self-aware. And that's a huge idea. So what he's saying is that before the fall, before the temptation, uh, Adam and Eve, they might have been conscious, but they might not have been self-aware. Why? Because they're just walking around naked all the time. They don't really care about what's exposed. And we know that he makes this important point that um, uh, through, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble for this. But for, for you know, for the, the, the sake of evolution, we are different types of animals like if you wanted to say that we've evolved from monkeys you can say that but we're different types of animals because we walk upright um and we have all of our vital organs exposed so not even chimps do this chimps will they you know they they, they'll walk upright for the most part but everything that they do is hunched over and so all of their vital organs and their reproductive organs, like they're all um, shielded by their back and by their hair. And so even though technically, I guess we're the closest uh, relatives to chimpanzees, we're just completely different because we're 100% exposed. We walk upright. And, and so when Eve eats this fruit, she's aware of good and evil, but she also becomes self-aware that she is an exposed person. And then when she sees Adam, uh, (laughs) this is so brutal, but it's so brilliant. Jordan makes this point to say that uh, she is not going to put up with a person or a spouse that is not self-aware. And so she, she encourages him strongly to eat the fruit. And when he does, um, he, this is really sad, but he blames her and then he blames God. So like this woman gave me the fruit, this woman that you gave me made me eat it. And so in, in many senses of, of this story, uh, Adam is the weaker character because he is blame shifting and Eve is the stronger character in that she is deceived by the very best. So she is deceived by, devil, by the devil and Adam's just making excuses and blaming God and blaming his wife. So it's a very fascinating story about the condition of relationships between males and females. So what in the world does that have to do by treating yourself like someone you are responsible for helping? It's because it gets down to the heart of the, the human condition, saying that we are all, whether we realize it or not, we're born with insecurities. We're born with, um, uh, with a level of shame. We don't feel like we are worthy 
of God's love. We don't feel like we're worthy to be helped. And so therefore, we will help others. Peter Scazzaro came out with a very powerful statement that has um, helped me run my ministry. And that is, uh, we need to be aware of people that will use God to run from God, meaning that they don't want to deal with their own stuff. And so therefore, they'll focus their attentions on somebody else's stuff or they'll focus their attentions on something else that looks spiritual rather than dealing with their own demons or rather than helping them, helping to help themselves grow into maturity. And well, I think that's fascinating. So in short, um, how do we treat ourselves like somebody that we are responsible for helping? It would take a lot of hard soul searching. Like you need really need to say, look, I, I need to work on myself. Do I, you know, like my wife and family and, you know, the people around me, like they all got problems of their own, but probably the better thing to do would be to try and and have the Lord fix me in order in essence fix myself before I fix others and that is a that is such a huge thing and that is a sign of maturity that is a sign that that not only are we becoming more and more self-aware but we are coming becoming more and more self-responsible and I think that is the theme of Jordan Peterson's thing. All right. Um, I know I didn't really flesh out this dichotomy of chaos and order. Um, this will come. This theme will come back into our our next sessions and some other rules that we'll be discussing. But uh, I think we would all agree that we need a little order. We need more order in our life. But the question that Peterson also presents is you might need a little chaos in your life too. Now that is a, oh my gosh, that's a scary proposition. And this is the way that he says it that probably will help it make sense uh, to all of us. One is that order is good, but if we push too far into order, then we will fall into the trap of bending the knee to tyranny. Meaning that everything has to be ordered in its specific place. Everybody's got their place in society. Everybody's got their, their niche. Um, order gone to the extreme is what drew that drove people into gulags and into concentration camps. Order uh, perfected by humankind uh, looks, a, well, it's communism, which killed millions and millions of people because they, have a, they, had, they had to maintain order and at all cost. And so chaos can be an antidote according to Peterson, and I have to spend a little bit more time on this, 
But chaos can be an antidote to order gone wrong, meaning that chaos births something new and something fresh. And chaos is the, I know it seems like a negative, but chaos is the element that, that causes new life to grow, that causes you to maybe move into a new environment or a new city where God can truly prosper you and bless you. The, the prophet um, Isaiah, he had to experience chaos in the desert in order for him to move and step into God's calling. And so chaos um, can be a good thing. Order can be a good thing. But too much chaos is, can be clearly a dysfunctional thing. And too much order can clearly be a dangerous thing. So trying to find the balance of that in our own personal lives. Trying to find a balance to this in our society. Well, that's, that's the big struggle. All right, I'm done for today. Thank you so much for watching um, or listening to the Faith Podcast on Who is Jordan Peterson. We'll do rule number three next time. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Peace.